You're listening to Enjiggered, a bartender podcast where we interview highly successful bartenders about their careers, lives, and the passion of bartending. This week, we talked to Natalie Lau, the bar manager from the newly crowned best bar in Asia, The Old Man. We talk with her about her start behind the bar, her time as a bartender back in the Savoy in London, and of course, The Old Man itself. With this podcast, we want to peel back the mask and discover just how the greats really became the greats. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, I'm Natalie. I'm the bar manager from The Old Man. Thank you so much for finding the time today, Natalie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, that's fantastic. Hong Kong is a beautiful city, is it? Yes, lovely. I'm happy to be back. Tell us a bit more. What are you doing right now? Um, so I'm managing the bar called The Old Man in Hong Kong, which is... Um, it is quite challenging, but it's so so much fun managing the bar. What's the concept behind Old Man and what made you excited about this project? Yeah, well, the, the Old Man is a very, very interesting bar that uh, it was doing like experimental cocktails using like uh, new modern te- technologies to, you know, combine ingredients with the spirits, as well as the setting of the bar is like a bartender setting that we love how it's set. And uh, under the spotlight, you're shaking the cocktails. People just love it. And uh, there was uh, three guys behind it and they were so passionate with bartenders or like uh, cocktails, which the thing is because the owner are bartenders. So basically you are working with people with passion. You are from uh, Hong Kong? Locally, yes. Yeah. Uh, born and raised in Hong Kong. Could you tell us a little bit about how did you get into hospitality? Like when was the first moment you, the, you thought this is it? This is what I want to do? Well, it started in a very, very early that actually I accidentally jumped up to be a uh, air hostess. And it was interesting. However, I don't like the hours working, like, you know, flying. But then it's so much fun surfing with the customer, you know, communicating with them and managing a small flights. And then you have to, you know, bring magics to the customer, whatever they need. And then uh, you started to think about, oh, maybe I quite enjoyed it. After that, I work in some other field and then I jumped back to hospitality which is a bartender and uh, was like four or five years ago and then I found cocktail making is so much interesting. What were the other fields you did? Uh, I was a teacher. You can also consider a as te- a, a teacher of what? A teacher of sports. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Well but it's also kind of like hospitality things because you have to be like very energetic with students no matter what. Parents, you have to be professional, and then in that way that you have to, you know, guide them as a like, it's same as like same as a bartender. Whoever you face, you have to act like that uh, in front of those audience, and that's it. It's, it's amazing. A learning part from that is also implied to what I'm doing now to help me to grow as what I am now. So, what made you decide to switch to hospitality from uh, teaching? Um, I feel like uh, 9 to 5, like working from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock is such a boring job and you're squeezing like, in a bus, in a, in a train. Is oh, No, I don't enjoy it. And then uh, I, I fall in love with cocktail. I like drinking it. I was thinking like, maybe I can do it as well. And then uh, I start joining some co- lo- local courses in Hong Kong and then kind of prove to the people that I wanted to join in this field. And then after the course, I went to a bar and said, oh, listen, I really want to be a bartender. I wouldn't mind that the money will be a huge drop, but I just want to learn it, work on it. And then I was super excited about it. What was the first bar you worked at? 
I work in Hong Kong uh, in Chim Sa Choi, the bar called Aqua. And then uh, I met my mentor who inspired me a lot that like cocktail is not just shaking it. And then uh, being a bartender is not just like making a cocktail, put it on the pass and then people send it out. It's more than that, like uh, the knowledge and also like how to host the guests and drum out from the bar, talking to the customer, touch down to the table that that was like, oh, that's the world is so vague. Was it Aqua, like the big company Aqua? Yeah, yeah, the one in London, the one in Beijing and Hong Kong. Yeah, they have a few, do they? They yeah. tend to be very busy. Yeah, yeah. most of the time, yeah. yeah. Did you have like a view or sort? Because the ones in London, like there's one on top yeah, of Yeah, quite the... similar. Yeah, yeah, it was in the shop, right? And then in Hong Kong, they were in a, in a also nice building located right in front of the harbor. So in like firework time, you just see the wheels straight away. You know, one of the things that I love about the hospitality is that sometimes we get to work in some places that are just incredible in terms of either the heritage history or how beautiful just the building is or the views we get. Like, I exactly. Think, okay, you mentioned a little bit about the fact that you like you don't like the hours, the nine to five bits. But what is it that you like about bartending that made you think, okay, this is this is what I want to do? Well. Not only the hours that I quite like being a bartender, that you were like working in a night shift in the morning time or afternoon time, you have yourself time for thinking that, I mean, because morning waking up is quite, uh, is quite, you know, dizzy still, you don't have a clear mind, but afternoon time you wake up, you can think, you can learn and your creativity will bring out easily. While, as I said, like, um, in, in teaching, uh, you're also hosting people, but you might lack of some creativity behind it because you're just kind of following what the knowledge and then you give it out. But then in, in bartender, there's like, there's so many things that you can create, combine, and there is always new things will come up, even though that bottle might be like for how many years that has been out, but then it could combine with new products and the magics will come, what happened. So, I mean, there's so many classic cocktails, but for mezcal, let's say, it's still new trend that you don't really have classic, it's more like modern classic. So what you can do with is also really good. How long have you worked at Aqua for? Uh, one year and a half, and then I moved to London for two years, and that's how I, you know, come back to Hong Kong for one year and a half, and that's my whole experience in a bartender. Very, very short. Very short, new. but intense, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Why did you decide to move to London? Well, I always wanted to work outside from Hong Kong, that I want to see the culture, how different is people, the mentality, how they work. I just want to open up my mind to see how big is the world. And then uh, when it's come to like we have in Hong Kong, we are lucky enough that have the working holiday visa that we can apply for. And I was thinking, you know, I work in a bartender and I always wanted to either go to New York or London. And I have a chance now, two years, and why not I go for it? And then I just applied it, and then I didn't contact anyone at all. And I just, you know, just get there and then do bar hopping and get a job. How was moving from uh, Hong Kong to London? Uh, it is huge difference. The people, the culture, whenever you walk in the street, the people don't really look at you, but the, the way how they act is completely different. And then, uh, yeah... In what way is different? Well, the freedoms that they don't really care about you, the existency, and that is like really, really 
good in one sense that like you can feel that they can embrace different culture in their mind. In Hong Kong, if you might see um, uh, men's in hand in hands, and they will just criticize them easily. So um, in London, no one think it is a, sh- a bad things, and then just just let it go. It's, this is just a small example, but way more things that when you walk in the street, you feel so much peaceful and calm. Uh, yeah, just different. And in terms of like moving over to a new country, which is more or less on the other end of the planet, were you a bit lonely at the beginning, or how did it go? Super, yeah, super lonely. I was like, because I was, I was desperate for looking for a job. As well, I'm shy. You know, um, back then my English was terrible. Uh, you know, the accent from different people, not only British, but like you know, Italian mm-hmm. or like maybe Spanish or whatever from Europe that they were in London. It was so harsh to get what they are saying and the faces that they use. And then you really want to engage yourself with them, but it is so hard to adapt it in. So you're looking for job, and you really want to show your your personality as well. And then it's so tough, and it's like, you don't have anyone to turn to somehow because of time difference that it is a time to tell them but they are time to sleep in Hong Kong so that's really really struggle for the first two months somehow but later on it's get better and better because you just you know get used to the accent and then you make friends as well how long did it take you to get a job uh two weeks luckily enough oh that's good yeah and, uh, what did you end up doing I was uh, working in the Savoy Hotel and I split myself into two bars, Buffer Bar and the American Bar. That's a very challenging position, right? It is challenging, but but it is also what I wanted to because I have only two years. I, it's so intense. I really want to, you know, push myself harder. So when they were offering me like, oh, you know what, you will be splitting in two bars. Would you mind? Because they might really concern that some people would only want to work in one bar. And I was like super happy. I was like, well, you know, I'm so happy that I have two different experiences, like double my colleagues and then, you know, that's like learning process will be double in two years. And that's, I was super happy that they offered me that. You probably worked when the Bofur Bar was at its peak, more or less, right? Because you worked on uh, the pop-up menu, have you? Yes, I did work for, I think, half a year for the pop-up menu. And, and then, then after you switched that, to the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also created the tunnel book menu. Very, very interesting time to be at the Bofur Bar. Meanwhile, the American Bar was also like rocking it. So... How did you, what do you think is the difference in between the two bars from your perspective? Uh, the vibe is completely different in a way that the, because the interior design bring up the, the feeling is that there is bright light and more like light color in, uh, in American bar. While in Buffer bar, it's more like a theater setting with dark and golden, that kind of glamour. It attracts different um, customer, actually. Even in the same hotel, it's like, mm-hmm. how come? Mm-hmm. And somehow when we talk to the people in American bar, oh, that's a regular guest in uh, Buffer bar. You, you don't know? And then they would say, no, I don't know him. And it's like, okay, so they are regular and just make them happy that maybe they will come back to American Bar. But I also heard that a lot of customers were saying that uh, uh, they prefer American Bar and some people prefer Buffer Bar and they hated the other bar. And it's so funny that when you're talking to them and then you were dressing on that uniform and then you cannot say that, oh, you know what, I also work in the other bar. That's crazy, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. And then the people within also have a different work uh, style as well. And uh, a bit more tension in American Bar, to be honest, because uh, 
people are watching and icing on that. Uh, there's a worldwide, um, maybe like, you know, Japanese people, they save all their money to go to American bar in once, once in a lifetime. And so there's like so much details you have to pay super attention into. Buffalo bar would be more like, uh, it's still like hotel bar, that kind of, uh, standards, but then you will be more fun. That kind of vibe is completely different. And then, uh, the music, even the music, the live music they play will be more funkier. They can play guitar even. And then in American bar, it's always piano jazz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which one did you prefer between the two? It, it somehow it really, really depends because um, I prefer, because I also work on the floor. Like, you know that everyone might have the chance to work on the floor, even if you're a bartender over there. Um, working behind the bar in American bar is much more fun and bigger and the size is like uh, small user-friendly somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's working on the floor, uh, in the booth of bar, it's the best. Like it, It's fun and easy to interact with the bartender and then the communication can go through easier. But in the, the setting of the American bar obviously is that huge room from the front door until to the bartender is like how many meters? 50 meters? It's so way, it's way too far. And then the communication somehow is so hard to, you know, go through and the happiness or the sadness sharing within the team during the service. Mm -hmm you cannot really go through directly. So because working in the, in the hospitality is also, you don't only uh, be good to customer, you also be good with your, your colleagues, right? So the interaction or communication during service, if you get frustrated, you also spread that message so that people can bring you up or if you're happy, you can cheat someone else, right? So, so that is the thing. So in a small room in Beaufort Bar, happy team, super, super happy and easily to, you know, cover everyone. In American Bar, uh, they also happy team, but then it's too, during surface, the tension is easily, you know, got separated. Yeah. Yeah, it is a big bar, is it? There's a lot of space to cover from one side to the other. No? Yeah, and I heard a story about you. What story? I hope it was a good one. Only a good one. Yeah, and right. uh, in the briefing, and then uh, Declan, our bar manager in American Bar, was saying like, you know, I remember there's one time we were super busy, and then uh, Mikele was and the host, and on the floor was super busy, and there's guests walking from the from the host, and there's no host because the host was scouting guests already, so he jumped behind the bar, uh, you know, jump uh, jump in front to the front, all the way walk to the host, host the guest, sit them down. And then he come back because that is the hospitality. You don't not only work for yourself at the bar that is just like 10 ticket, but then you also cover the colleagues and that I learned from you. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, Declan only said good things about uh, you. That's why he's a good manager, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I learned a lot from him. <laughs> what were the main challenges you had when you joined the American bar and the, the Buffalo bar, like the disavoid team? The thing is not only working in this famous bar is also adapting the life in London and then uh as I said, I only worked for, in, in Aqua, only one and a half year. How many classics I know, how many creativities like, uh, what, like citric acid and or like, uh, a malic acid, that kind of like, you know, things that I learned from one bar is so limited. So when I went there, it was so challenged that I, there's plenty of classics that I don't know while, um, customer expect that you have this knowledge as well as the customer could be smarter than you on cocktail or like well knowledge than you. Um, not only the knowledge, but also the English barrier. 
because the strong accent as well is also kind of like quite tough for me to talk to the customer to understand what they said, uh, engaging with them, the how to start a conversation with customer. Somehow um, it is not my first language and then it's just hard for me to talk with them in what, whatever they want to talk to. Did you have any secret or trick you want to share about how you managed to overcome this barrier? Like it wasn't more like just do it and get on with it. No, it's not. It's never only that you work 10 hours and then you work hard and 10, 10 hours can make you become a better person. I push myself quite hard that I, I try to, uh, uh, listen to like BBC, that kind of like news channel. It's so tough. I give up. But then, you know, in online, that's quite a lot of like one minute English lesson. So I, every day I at least watch five minutes. What on YouTube? On YouTube, yeah, there is. Like they would, t- but instance, like in Hong Kong style that they teach you in English, ah. the British way. So you read it every day. That's the only one thing. But then you ne- read newspaper. You see what is the theater going in London because you know people love theater. And then I just don't know what it is. You just research everything. Classic cocktail. You just you know Savoy cocktail book. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that you know helps, you just yeah. need that book and flip it every day. And then uh, you know and. I mean, uh, I have to uh, travel like around like half an hour to one hour and uh, nice time as well. So then in the night bus, I always bring a book or whatever materials that I want to learn. I bring it with me. I read, I read, I read. Did you have any trainings that you went to in terms of like outside trainings or like master classes in London? Well, Did that's you find them plen- useful? Yes, that is plenty of master classes, but mainly they come to the bar for for training to hold a training for us so whatever there is i must attend i think yeah I, I would not miss any single one i know some people will be like uh, no i know that and they don't go but then for me because um i think that you what you need to do is just present to your company and then they will teach you something and i come all the way from hong kong to london i really want to see those real person in life to educate us they might not only be brand ambassador they could be like an owner or like how many generations from that family and they come to you and talk to you about the things and there's no chance in Hong Kong that we will easily get that happen to our boss so I treasure every single moment I would just go to the master, master class and that was so much like Louis Chris I don't think I would have any <laughs> chance in my life that I can taste it and then you know Kirk and that all kind of like, like champagne training I was like wow I love it did you travel around Europe a bit while you were there yes I did I tried to uh, squeeze every single moment that I can. I've been to Scotland with uh, one of my colleagues called uh, Angelo. We uh-huh. went to you know, Scotland for like distillery trip, and then uh, we do a bit like uh, also gin distillery because you know Hong Kong cannot distill anything at all. So I just try to see as much as possible, and then Italy. I met some good friends, and so they show me around in Italy as well. And uh, Spanish, uh, Spain, Spain is so amazing. What I like about, a lot about Spain is that yeah. uh, for some reason they've developed uh, this incredible gin market there, right? So there's oh, so much yes, gin. It's yes, unbelievable. Now remind me. Yeah, it was, they were crazy about gin. Ice, surprisingly. Yeah, the huge uh, things. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone is using a huge, not like block ice, but all, maybe half half size of a or one third of a block ice and shaking a cocktail. I was like, what are they doing? That's so cool. Yeah, one of the beautiful things about Europe is that you have a lot of different realities within a very short uh, distance, right? Because yes. Because it's very easy to travel inside Europe. Yes, and the flight is way too cheap. Did you work on any drinks while you were at the Bofur Bar? 
for the new menu launch? Yeah, I'm lucky enough that they, they let me do it. And uh, there is like one drink that I work with uh, Kyle Wilkinson. And then there's one drink that I do it on my own. And that was really interesting. How did the creative process work there? Were you given a task and then you had to complete the task in terms of a drink? or That's what I also learned that concept of a menu is really important. So when you're creating the cocktail, it's not only that, oh, I like this flavor and I combined it because combined, you're making a menu that has to fit in with certain idea with that. And then that time we are doing a tunnel book uh, and that every page will be featuring every single corner of the history of the Savoy Hotel. So then we aimed it on uh, certain stories so we based on that story, we found out something to relate it to and make a cocktail out of it. And then the one that I have is uh, Hitchcock, which is Alfred Hitchcock. And then so we do a lot of research. And then another one is about the uh, reopening of the Savoy Hotel and also the opening of the uh, Buford Bar, which is the uh, 10th of October of 2010. So the cocktail called 101010. And then I try to link up with the bars and uh, like hospitality and then create a cocktail out of it. So that has to be related and people will understand it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's how you, the way how you think to create the cocktails. When it comes to ingredients, uh, did you bring some Asian influences or were you mostly focused on trying to work with ingredients that are local to where the Savoy is? Well, yeah, I think I, uh, in the Buffer Bar menu, I did try to do um, to, uh, just adapting the menu to see how we can do with the film. But then in uh, in American Bar, I, I also have one, uh, the new menu that I was, when I was there, I also have a chance to make one, two cocktails. And then I was also trying to bring like Chinese ingredients to the bar in, the, in that uh, cocktails. Yeah. Did you find it easy to bring Chinese ingredients in or was it a mm, bit of a challenge? Yes, yeah, so it's a bit challenging because the, the the sauces that you can found in in the market is not a lot. Either the Chinese wine or Chinese uh, uh, spirit that is not that easy to found. And ingredients-wise, uh, to fit in the palace is not that easy. So then it is quite a challenge, but it's also fun that you notice every country has its own uh, seasonal things or it is not easy to find something from Japan or something from, from China. And it's just, or even if you found that, that things might not be perfectly in good condition as what you have in China. No, it's a big challenge, is it? Yes, exactly. Let's say if you want to get a rhubarb in Hong Kong, it may not be as good as the one you found in England. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So... You've been there for two years. Uh, what was the highlight for you? Highlight? Um, well, no, the highlight for me, the biggest achievement is I putting my my cocktails in the menu, I would say. Because uh, mainly I'm still thinking I'm very, very junior. I'm also always learning. So I I didn't really join any competition or like I would. I'm quite shy as well that to be like telling everyone that, oh, I'm from Hong Kong, I'm the bartender in the Savoy and blah, blah, blah. So I'm basically, you can think that I'm just a bar back working there, sorry for a heart, like a, like a bead. And then, uh, yeah. What is it that you brought with you, like from a knowledge perspective, when you came back to Hong Kong, what, what is it that London gave you m- more than perhaps people who did not have the chance to go there? I think it's the hospitality because uh, I met a lot of people in uh, in the bar and those people are industry people and the way how they 
uh, act or how they um, interact with us. I also learn a lot, like crazily a lot. And uh, I mean, knowledge wise, is mostly is myself pushing just to learn, just to read a book. But uh, the soft skill, soft skill on speaking with people, dealing with difficult guests. And that is that is the things that I learned from my manager there, or the colleagues, how they how they talk to, how they host the big people, and that's that's the that's the very very solid experience that I get from there. Do you have any things that you wish you did but you didn't do? Yeah, yes, I did. I think I I just should have like been more standing out to to proudly tell that I'm a bartender there. I, I just think like I should be, but somehow I'm just so shy to say because I always think that everyone uh, working with me, they are better than me and I don't deserve that position until maybe uh, recently. I think that I kind of understand why they put me, why they hire me is that they want also new, uh, new blood, you know, uh, kind of like a, uh, Asian lady who who might have a uh, different work ethics or like you know culture may hit to the team that they bring up new things. But I was too shy. I think that I should adapt them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, I adapt myself to them. While I may sh- I should have like you know stand out a little bit more. Tell them that the way in Hong Kong is different. And mm. I I try to implant it to you guys. Maybe you will be different as well to inspire them. But I, I absolutely didn't do anything at that time. I still think that you you got a lot out of it in terms of the way that you know you put yourself on the market out there because I, so then when you moved back here how, was it a bit of a shock or how did it go Yeah yeah when I come back to Hong Kong and um I'm I'm still I'm quite new in the market in Hong Kong because I only have one year and a half experience in Hong Kong. No mm. one knows me back then when I was in Aqua. I'm just a small potato. Where especially in uh, in Chim Sa Choi, the Boston is completely different in Central in Hong Kong. So, but uh, that's not a lot of people know me. So when I come back, I was I was thinking, oh, I might be quite hard to find a job as well. So I might have to talk to certain people that I know. However, I was quite shocked that there is people know me. That oh, there was a lady who went to London for two years and then now she's back. So, um, and then uh, the bar scene in Hong Kong is also growing really, really fast. Um, new bars like new, uh, the owner are now bartenders. Uh, m- more bars that was opened by bartenders, and then so I can easily found passionate a bar to work in more than like commercial, a bit more like a, a chain store or like you mm. know big company was controlling it, and then so. Uh, I was I was kind of shocked and also happy that it's changed, and that's how I also landed in the old man. So you you came here. The scene is is expanding, like because you you haven't been here for that long, and there are so many new openings, and there is so much happening. Do you think that uh, the market here in Hong Kong is about to reach saturation, or do you think there is? room for more bars i think somehow it was uh in a saturation but then that saturation is kind of like there's no new things come up like new idea but then now we have uh i think we have also koa which also they are doing like uh for inspirational uh idea of bringing like uh, fermentation or like foraging uh, like new ideas and then we also have uh more use of the rotary evaporator, the kind of like a clarification that like bring up new ideas. So I think there is room for, you know, improving. And even we have Draftland from Taiwan to Hong Kong. So, I mean, doing draft cocktail, like cocktail on tap, 
it's not just a cocktail put in a jar and then you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it is challenging and then this new thing coming up in the market and people are embracing it. The the customer, they are learning new things day by day and then they are willing to try new things. So I think Hong Kong market at one point I think it was it was saturated but then all of a sudden people have new idea come up and then boom, this two years has a lot of new bars that which is really, really good. I like it. What was your favorite bar in uh, Hong Kong when you came back? The old man. Oh, Are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> but, were you part of the opening team? No, no. They opened by themselves like, uh, and I joined after like half a year. Yeah, okay. and they were because I was in London. I already have like some Hong Kong customers telling me that oh, there's a new bar called the Old Man, and that's like telling me all the things. I was like, oh, okay. I w- when I go back, I will see. And then, uh, yeah, and um, not only the Old Man that I liked, Koa is one of my favorite as well because um, I always I was like I don't know, it's just the vibe and then the people of it and the cocktail is so delicious. So you join Old Man. It's been pretty successful, the Saints. You guys have achieved quite a lot. In a yes, the boss is amazing. Yeah, they push a lot. Who's in charge of the drinks, like cocktail making, and how does it work? How often do you change the menu? So we change the menu once a year, and then there are three guys behind the, the, the bar. I mean, the, the concept of the bar and the menu. And the main guy is Agong Babawo, who, who has been working with... Uh, in Hong Kong, Boston, maybe more than 15 years. And then he's more like a bartender, bar manager, and creating menus. And then there's another guy called James Tamang, which is he is helping with the menus as well, because he's also started as a bartender. So they are cooperating with each other. And um, uh, there's another guy who's taking care of the floor, like hosting people super well. And I'm still learning a lot from him, which is uh, Roman Galay. And that's like an uh, amazing guy that I met, ever met. Yeah. Um, who, who create the menu is most likely is Agong Babawo. Um, but then the whole team is also helping to adjust it because, you know, one man can never just make a menu and then, you know, oh, I think it's delicious and I trust it and I push it. Then you have to have people to give feedback, which is the team member to help to adjust it, giving honest feedback rather than when you ask for industry people, sometimes they will be polite. Yeah, it's very important to have a very switched on team that that gives you the right feedback right yes yes how is it being perceived how did the these awards change uh, the bar it makes it crazily busy that um at one point that we have to give out champagne outside when they were queuing because obviously the bar is quite small that have the capacity of around 30 people and then uh when when people cannot get in they are willing to wait and that's a priceless. And so since we can predict that, they might have to wait for more than 30 minutes. So we just tell them that it might be 30 minutes and they still say, yes, I want to come in. So I will wait. So what we can do is just, you know what? I give a glass of champagne so that you're waiting outside with a drink. You can still chill talking to each other. And then they are happy. And we were so shocked. I was like, oh my God, you guys love me so much. And uh, I don't know what to do. We just can, you know, host them nicely and this is the way and uh, we got really really busy from the Asia best 50s and then we mellowed down a little bit in the middle but then it's come up again during the world 50s and uh, it was mental so what's the future plan for uh, the old men because you opened one in Singapore haven't you yes yeah, so uh, we also opened a new bar in Hong Kong called the Sea which 
they tried to, to complete the whole book story from Ernest Hemingway, the, the Old Man and the Sea. Uh, well, the main thing is still, like, what, since they opened that bar, is also they really want to educate people. There is uh, coming up, there might be opportunities if people would like to know more about the, the machine, then we are willing to teach them or guide them. So this is not only a bar who, who make cocktails, but we also want to push the industry become like growing and growing so now become now the bar is more stable then we we are happy to you know when there is industry people coming to ask questions or like they want to try something from that machine we are also helping like we we never I, we never charge any money from anyone that oh you distill something from us I charge you like how many dollar but we always just oh yeah you can do it when it's free just do it and we help each other and so they can also understand how this machine work and also you know central fridge or a sous vide vacuum that kind of things that we would just help them with this. How much do you rely on this equipment for the menu? That's really heavy, heavy. Like uh, um, at one point, it was uh, we cannot chase the need from the customer that we decided to buy another bigger machine in the office that like or laboratory that we were using or the kitchen. Then we were like just making it for uh, uh, for large, ma- massive production. Before we bought that machine, we somehow would run out certain cocktails. Even though we, we start the machine from 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and then we, we shut it down at 2 a.m. in the morning, and it was still cannot fulfill mm-hmm. the needs. So, uh, and then later on, we, I mean, I think there is like more than five cocktails from the menus that was using that machine. And then there is around seven ingredients is relying on that machine so that is a lot while we think about like how many cocktails we might sell a, light, a night only talking about one night so that's really crazy you must be a quite pre- prep heavy bar so what time do you start preparations yeah we we are really really heavy we start at 11 in the morning to do the preparation but we have a we have a separated crew to deal with the preparation so he's the he and uh, there's two guys who is mainly preparing and then uh in the nighttime we do uh, we send him what we needed and which is low and then they will predict it and also like making the the, the preparation on that cocktail so it's also keeping the consistency i know there's a lot of bar that they will do like uh, oh uh, uh mr a you will do like one week for preparation in the morning and then nighttime you help for a few hours then you go home and that's most of the bar and then next week maybe mr b that you're gonna do it mm-hmm. right but then there there's somehow you might manage that the how come this time the sugar syrup is so diluted oh how come this uh, this time the lemongrass syrup is a bit weak you know what I mean? But if it's only one guy who's doing it, the, the control, they will fully, fully understand. Um, the, the bartender is mainly making the drinks, but then we somehow will send them on the preparation so that they also understand how the things work as well. So they will learn by seeing how to make those uh, preparations. Will you have be relying on this equipment also for the PC? The new? Yes, yes. Um, the C will be also heavily focus on that machine or like those machine as well because we are still doing like experimental cocktail bars a bit like classic twist but still we really want to bring up the the whole picture in hong kong that we are uh, combining ingredients in a nice way um uh, unexpected ingredients together so that machine like those selection of machine can really really help to boost it up yeah so you have very limited space here in your bar. Uh, have you had to adapt uh, the way you work to make the most out of the space that you have? 
Yes, yes, really, really. This this bar is quite tiny, and this、uh, bar section was、uh, was quite small. So、uh, how we work, we we work with communication or like the sense that you've been working with each other, the movement that you make, or like by speaking to each other, what glasses you want, or like、uh, what I can prepare rather than I don't need to shake a cocktail, you shake it. I would do something that not related to shaking cocktail. Then the bar back would do in this way. And uh, uh, it is this is really really interesting or like challenging in a way that、uh, back then when I was working in a buffet bar or American bar, there's two station, right?、And、most of the bars should have two station though. And then、uh, how you can make that happen in only one station, two buttons fit in. They are still the star, and you know also engaging to the customer. Because you are busy, but you still have to, and I think it's quite challenging for a new bartender in Hong Kong, or like maybe even if it's like senior bartender in Hong Kong, that I try to push them a little bit harder. Like you have to be super multitasking by listening your orders, or maybe when you're making cocktail, you're explaining the menus to the other customer, and when the customer come in at the door, you. At least as a note to them, or maybe say it loud to say "Welcome to the old man. How are you?" That kind of energetic thing. So、uh, they have the open mind, or like、uh, you know, super multitasking. That、uh, I can see that two of my colleagues is doing really, really well. And then that's how we push them. Which is, I think, our bar setting is、uh, pushing them a bit more in American bar style multitasking. Multitasking, yeah. yeah. Multitasking is key. Yeah. So how many people would you have working on a night? Um, let's say Friday we need six people, four on the floor, including washing glasses, and then、uh, two at the bar.、Um, in week weekdays, maybe three is quite enough. Do you rotate staff, or、uh, you have bartenders who make drinks and floor people who stay on the floor? We definitely rotate staff because. Uh, from what I learned from、uh, London is that hosting guests is the key. So every bartender has to learn how to host the guests on the floor first. Whoever jump in to work in our bar, they will be、uh, one month or two months, depends on how fast they are. They will be staying on the floor only to to remember the menu, host the guests, and to be able to be multitasking on the floor, allocating the seat. After that, they will jump behind the bar, so they will be capable on doing the the task that I've been saying previously. That, uh, uh, yeah. So、um, after that, in weekdays, we don't we don't assign any bartender at the bar. So whoever know how to make drinks, and you see the ticket, and there's no one at the bar, you have to make it, and then you send the drink. And、uh, other than that, there's nothing to do at the bar. Leave the bar. Go to the table. Refill the water. Give them chips. Talk to them. That's how we roll. But Friday, Saturday is cannot be too ideal because it's super busy. Then we have to allocate two、uh, bartenders definitely in the bar, and then the rest will be chit chatting, surface on the floor. Chit chat is a very very important part of、uh, how you created this. Why?、Uh, yeah. yeah, the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. That's I always been telling them. You know. Cocktail is ten percent. The taste of the cocktail is ten percent. The people come back because of you, because of people who work there. If you walk in a bar that you know no one,、uh, it's okay because later on you will know them. But if you time by time, every time you go there, you know no one, then that's a problem. Yeah, because the reason why you come back is not only the music, it's not only the sober, it's also include the the people within that you feel comfort. 
comfortable to you know stay there as well and as well as if you talk to the people they might stay for uh, a bit longer for for seeing you and it's also bright you up in in a tough ship as well right mm-hmm. yeah do you see yourself being in uh, hong kong for the like next foreseeable future or uh, do you have any plans of maybe relocating somewhere Yeah, I think I was still staying with this company in Hong Kong for yeah two to three years to see how it's go. I'm still growing because um, I was jumping from a bartender to a manager position. That's quite challenging as there's still a lot to wait more things to learn. I think you also agree mm-hmm, that, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, so I still want to see what I can learn from these three owners. So I... I will see myself still staying in Hong Kong and I feel that Hong Kong still have a lot of potential on the, on the cocktail scene. So basically, I'm also happy to, you know, help the industry to grow people as well. What do you think uh, are the main uh, difficulties coming from a bartender getting into management? The thing is, first thing, you have to leave the bar. You're no longer shaking cocktail only. And then um, managing people is a very, very challenging task. That when I was a bartender, I never really say no to my boss most of my time. But, you know, everyone is different, right? You will have people say no to you when you're in a, in a managing position. And then you will feel like, oh, really? Mm, why shouldn't I do that when I was a bartender? I should have said no to my manager to see how they react or, <laughs> you know, learn from them. But then nowadays, like, when people say no to you, you still have to stay calm and peace. You know, you, you are no longer in the same level as a bartender. You fight with each other. You say, no, no, I want you to do it. Why are you saying no to me? But then when you're a bar manager, you have to be more uh, mature to be in control, to understand what, why they're saying no or why they don't want to do it. And then also try to find a way to change their mind, to give them a, a, a brighter world on certain expect and then i mean also you know stock control how to manage the people not drinking too much drunk at work and you know hong kong is i mean some bar is completely different than hotel bars that we cannot drink right yeah, exactly. <laughs> i know we do though but then we're not crazily drunk at bar but uh so that is different it's really really challenging i don't know you what do you feel like when you're jumping as a manager I think the main challenge, as you said, is people, right? Yeah. Because we're lucky because it's already a people's business, right? So we yeah. work with guests a lot, which are people at the end of the day. Yes. It's just that then when you would step into this managerial role, it's more about trying to get people to understand why things need to be done rather than tell them what to do it. Yes. So then it's a more automatic thing, but it requires a lot of energy and effort. But exactly. I think trusting your team is very important because at the end of the day, even if you are in a senior position, you know, you need your team to perform, right? And only if there's trust, they can perform. Yeah. That's great. Uh, So, do you see yourself visiting Singapore anytime soon? Because you're an old man there, haven't you? Yeah, I haven't seen the old man in Singapore yet, but I really would love to go to Singapore. I think I've been to Singapore like eight years ago, which is not the cocktail scene haven't really, you know, bloom yet so now there is another reason to go to singapore because there's plenty of uh, cocktail bar as is on the list i really want to check out especially the mandarin oriental uh-huh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there's the last question which i asked to everybody who is uh, interviewed which is if you're about to die what would be your last cocktail oh yeah i would choose a coffee rifle number two why 
Just my favorite drink. The last drink that you can have is your favorite drink, is it? Oh, that's fantastic. Good. Natalie, thank you so much. It was amazing just chatting to you. You're welcome, Mikele. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Natalie. You can find more content from us on YouTube and Instagram where we post our hashtag #HowToClassicCocktail videos where every Tuesday we show you how to make classic cocktails in less than a minute. We are unjiggered underscore media on Instagram and you can follow our personal accounts at mmariotti89 for Michele, Alex J. Murphy for myself and Adrian Besser for Adrian. Thank you for listening.